0: That was providential. So the aim in our program, it says communion. We yeah, communion. Means. I thought I said they the Eucharist, but I, that's probably a little more Episcopalian or Catholic. Yeah, but but uh, regular participation in the church. Let me, and just to kind of set it up a little bit. You know, uh, Luke wrote Luke. No, yeah, Luke wrote Luke, didn't he? But he also wrote. Acts. And you remember Acts chapter 2, verse 42? It's one of those verses you may not have memorized. This is on the day of Pentecost, at the, sort of after the aftermath of the day of Pentecost, when, when God added, what, 3,000 to the church? Kind of the church was born. And in verse 42 it says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I've been taught many times, in fact I've got it in my, with a little pencil, those four elements, those four activities, if you will, are components of what it means to be a church. It's not the whole oh, answer. There again. They, they, they uh, continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, so apostolic, you know, the teaching of the Word, the apostles' teaching. To fellowship, you know, true, I'm sure the, the fullness of what that word means, Christian biblical fellowship, building up each other in the faith. Uh, to the breaking of bread, thats and I think that's communion. I think that's the, the ordinance, if you will, the sacrament of communion. And then finally, prayer. prayer and to prayer. Yeah. That's why in many churches, I don't know about many, but, a, but some, some churches... You know they they have communion every Sunday. That's part of their. They teach the scriptures every wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's another discussion. Um, <laughs> but certainly at church. <laughs> anyway, so so what, while I'm defending my aim and and see, let, let me just work that a little bit. Let's go. We're supposed to be for a well, section. Here. But that yeah. is what you do. Say again. I thought the aim was supposed to be for the chapter you read. Something. It is. Okay. So I hear here. Let's go back to Luke twenty-four. Okay, I got an elementary question. What All right. Do regular, what is regular participation? Say we're out of control here. Um, <laughs> regular participation. What I'm trying to communicate is, um, you know, we need to be in church, and I don't mean just physically be in the room on Sunday. I mean be in the church. You know, be a participating member. Be engaged in a church in the activity of being taught the scriptures, right? But there's two things in particular here in this t- chapter 24, Luke 24. There's, and I just, I'm fascinated by this, and I'm so. Let's, I'm gonna go right to it. Um, I didn't finish that sentence. The teaching of the scriptures. And communion, observing the Lord's Supper, that, 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 uh, what's, what's your favorite word for what that is? Do you like to call it a ritual? Do you like to call it an ordinance? A sacrament? sacrament. 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 I mean, and my point is, it's a specific activity that God gave us that Jesus specified that Paul reinforced in, in 1 Corinthians 11. It's given to the church as a means of grace, right? We do it, we remember the Lord's death, and we proclaim His death until He comes and all the spiritual significance. And, the, and the, uh, according to Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians, it's that time of, am I coming worthily before the Lord? It's a time of repentance, of confession at a personal level. Of and so, it, it, that, that by, by studying the Scriptures and doing it in the context of church, not, not strictly, not solely, or, but, but, the po- part, part of the point I'm making is I'm not just out here as a lone ranger, just sort of me and Jesus. That's not the thing. Those, you know, that, that exists in the, in the in Christendom in human history. There are times when there's somebody out there by themselves that God, but that's not the, the norm. Is God wants us in a church. He wants us being under the teaching of the Scriptures. And He wants us to be participating in communion on a regular basis. Now, where in the world do I see that in this text? And it is in... Let's go to verse... Because y'all read, y'all studied the big four big divisions. The resurrection, the, the appearance on the way to Emmaus, the appearance in Jerusalem, and then the ascension. Right? Those are pretty four clear divisions of this last chapter. So on the road to Emmaus... He he appears to these two folks. They don't recognize him, and why do they not recognize him? Because it was hidden from them. That's what a what a fascinating thing. So then, and he rebukes them when they don't. When they're they're downcast, they're sad. It says they they thought this guy. They thought Jesus. They were hoping verse twenty one that he that he was going to redeem Israel. But they're kind of confused because some women had been and had come back and said that he's, he, he's not, he's, we didn't find His body and an angel appeared to us. So they got all this going around and Jesus says in verse 25, he, he calls them foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. So you begin to hear why it's important that we study the scriptures. They were called foolish because they didn't understand what the Old Testament taught about Jesus, about the Messiah, that he must suffer and be raised on the third day. And then they still didn't—they didn't know who he was. So he goes to their—they they prevail upon him to come home with them, right? And look at that, verse thirty. So, he, verse at the very end of twenty nine, he went in to stay with them. In verse thirty, and he came out about, and it came about that when he had reclined at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Now, what does that sound like? That sequence, that that pattern, communion. communion. If you go back to the chapter, and I wrote it down. Chapter 19, I believe it was. It's very similar. Very similar. Um, I wrote it down somewhere. Where did I write it down? It's coming. It's coming. And He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to them, saying, that's from chapter 22, when Jesus... Now, these, these, as far as I can tell, these two disciples, were they're not part of the eleven. So they were not there when Jesus had the Lord the Last Supper with His eleven, with His twelve, I guess at that point. But Luke is using very similar language, and he's and so he's signaling that Jesus is essentially having communion with these guys, these two folks, and possibly their wives, or I don't know, doesn't say. And then what does it say? Verse thirty-one and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight so they recognized him their eyes were opened as Jesus they actually had communion with him now that's you think about that <laughs> now the but here but <laughs> now the part of my the other part of my aim so that, that's where i get to study the scriptures and communion Because Satan, and of course, he comes back to when he gets to Jerusalem, when when these guys go to Jerusalem, they go back to Jerusalem, and Jesus appears now to the eleven and the others who were with him, it says in verse 33. And Jesus does a very similar thing with with the group in in Jerusalem, specifically about taking them back to the Old Testament. Verse 44 These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you that all things which are written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Thus He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Thus it is written, verse 46, that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, go back to go back to verse 31 back to the two disciples in Emmaus and their eyes were opened and they recognized him it just so happens now i read this in a commentator i didn't i wouldn't i wouldn't have known it unless i unless you knew greek which i don't but this comment and i checked it out this is true if you if you look up that word that's translated, at least in the NAS is translated, they recognized him. And then you go back to that that word, by the way, shows up in Luke's gospel about five times. The first time it shows up is back in very the very first part of the book. Go back to chapter one. You remember the first four verses of chapter one? Where Luke is telling Theophilus why he's writing the book, why he did the gospel, this gospel in, in, in Acts verse 4 he says so that you Theophilus and implied the readers which would be us now so that you might know the things so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught so it turns out that word know that you might know is the same Greek word as they recognized him and that's used a little differently but one if you look up the definition of that it, it, it implies. I mean, there's that 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 part of it that has to do with a certainty, knowing it for real. Now, this commentator that I read connected he, his take on that was that Luke was specifically connecting this this event back all the way back to his purpose for writing the book to, to Theophilus, to you know, as part of his. I mean, he, he says I'm writing the whole gospel and Acts. So that you may know the things that you may have certainty about the things that, that you've been taught. So it's not just this one event, but I just love that connection. Uh, that, that there's some textual basis for making the connection. Uh, but the, so the two things to think about and check it out because I read some other I read another commentator who absolutely disagreed with what I just told you. <laughs> so. But it's just fascinating to me that, that they did not understand you know, they, a divine passive, as we talked about in our discussion group, it, that, that his Jesus, they did not recognize him because he, it was concealed from them. And then he explains some of the Old Testament, gives them an Old Testament Bible study about himself. They go, to, they go into the house. He breaks the bread and, and gives it to them, and their eyes were opened. That's the point at which their eyes were opened. Uh, I just think, I think there's something there, and so I'm I'm taking a spiritual lesson, an application, you know, for out of that culture, that specific instance, and translating it all the way to our to where we live life today. That uh, I gain spiritual confidence, like Luke wanted for Theophilus, I I, get, I grow in my spiritual confidence as I study the scriptures, and as I in, as I participate in biblical church. I can say it that way. That's communion. Because if it's a real church, if a group of folks getting together, if they're a real church, they're going to observe communion. They're going to participate in that ordinance that Jesus established and gave to us and that Paul reinforced. So that's about a 15-minute discussion of my aim. <laughs> Read your aim again. Yeah, so here's my aim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should do this all the time, although, you know, this is my last shot, right? <laughs> to cause the audience to know that regular participation in the Scriptures and in communion builds spiritual confidence. There you go. I like it better now myself. I like it. Now, let me just make another couple of comments. I'm at 13 minutes and 50 seconds. I'm into this 15-minute, maybe 18-minute lecture thing. Um, here's one thing that struck me about this text, about chapter 24. I don't know if it struck you. So the four, remember the four divisions, the resurrection, appearance to the guys going on, on the way to Emmaus, then the appearance of the rest of the group in Jerusalem, and then the ascension. What strikes me is Luke does not spend a lot of time on the resurrection. You know, if you go to Matthew, Matthew gives a lot more detail about what all, what all was happening at the crucifixion and the resurrection. John gives more. Luke, it's, a pretty, it's pretty minimal. The ladies appear, the angel appears, they go back, that's about it. And then you get to the ascension in Luke. Now, Luke, you know, picks up the ascension in, in Acts chapter 1, but in, in, the Luke, in Luke's gospel, the ascension is three sentences, at least in my English. In my New American Standard, it's it's four verses, but I think it's three sentences. It's pretty. It's like he they went out, he ascended, they worshiped, and went back to Jerusalem. But what he but but what he does spend time on is these two appearances the, to the to the two, and then to the the rest in Jerusalem. And the thing that he emphasizes in both of those well, is what is. Teaching those folks all that the Old Testament said, the Old Testament, the prophets, Moses and the prophets. the, what does it say in, uh, in? Yeah, in verse forty-four when he's in Jerusalem, the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus took them back to the Old Testament scriptures to say, "Here's here's why you shouldn't be startled. Here's why you shouldn't be you shouldn't be doubting." Uh, you know, to the two guys in verse twenty-five. You know you're slow of heart to believe. So in a, and so in a sense, there's a, there's a rebuke in there, but but it's not a condemnatory rebuke. It, it's a, but it is there's a little bit of a rebuke. There's an expectation of guys, you you, and it almost it sounds like it's an unfair expectation because you know you, you should know these things, but you can't because until. Until God reveals this, these things are not spiritually, are not humanly ascertained. You see that dynamic, that sort of, I don't know what to call that. Um, Because, you know, again, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. But anyway, the point is, he still, he, 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 I mean, can you imagine Jesus teaching us face to face the Old Testament scriptures? And, and all the different places where the Old Testament, the prophets, Moses, going all the way back to Genesis three, and Jesus sitting there saying, "You see that verse right there? That was talking about me. That was talking about that I had." To, and let me so let me give you one that. Um, it, and This is why I'm tempted to I want to go back to Acts and go through Acts again. I don't know that we'll do that, but but jump over to Acts, back to Acts chapter two. This is Peter's. Um, So Peter was part of this 11, right? Peter's in this Bible study with Jesus in Jerusalem. So when Pentecost comes 50 days later, and Peter gets up to to explain to the folks, no, it's not that these guys are drunk. Here's what's happening. And he goes to Joel, right? And says, what you're seeing today is what was prophesied by Joel. And then he says, and we read this verse a few days and started to pick it up at verse 23. He said, this man, talking about Jesus... Delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And then verse twenty-four, starting in verse twenty-four, really starting in twenty-five. Then Peter says, And God raised him up again, according to the scriptures. He's you know, look at verse twenty-five. For David says of him, and and then Peter quotes from Psalm sixteen, and it reads as if David's talking about himself as you read down through there. But then look at verse uh, verse 27, which I don't know what verse that is in Psalm 16, but it's at the place where, "...because thou wilt, not, thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow thy Holy One to undergo decay." And I was telling, we were looking at this in our discussion group, and I thought, you know, if I'm reading that in my quiet time over in Psalm 16... I'm still kind of thinking that David's talking about himself. He's thinking, Thy Holy One. Because I'm David, I'm your anointed to be king, and I'm the king, and Thy Holy One. And I wouldn't see anything necessarily. But it says, Nor allow Thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with Thy presence. Then Peter, in verse 29, Peter then interprets for this group. Why that stopped, he, he proves or shows why that's talking about Jesus in verse 27. He said, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seek one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. That's fascinating to me. That that Peter says, look, if we were were reading closely in Psalm 16, we would recognize that when David said, nor allow thy holy one to undergo decay, we'd realize, wait a minute, David can't be talking about himself because he underwent decay. We can go over to this tomb right now. It's over here. (laughs) And so so Jesus taught them those kinds of texts to demonstrate that all along... It's been God's plan from before the foundations of the earth that Christ would come and that He would be delivered over to the chief the priests and the chief and the elders as He told them once and be um, crucified and would rise from the dead. Now, here's a question I'll leave with you to think about between now and next Monday. Maybe we can talk about it a little bit when we come back. Why? Why was it? Why in the purposes of God? Why did God begin to reveal this plan of redemption as far back as Genesis three, and then and then you know some two thousand years, or I don't know three, at least two thousand years from Genesis to Jesus. Every, you know in, in dealing with Israel and revealing to Israel and through Israel his plan of redemption with regard to Messiah this Christ who would come and then and then he came. Just I'm, I just th- that's if y'all ever thought about that question. Ever wondered um, Well I've been wondering about that question. Um, but we'll talk I'll just leave that with you. So again, what's my aim? That we need to study the Scriptures and we need to take communion. <laughs> and all that that means. You know, to take... So let's just, let me flesh that out one more time. So when I say take communion, I mean we're part of a church that, that, that participates in communion and that when I do that, I'm, I'm entering into the reality, I mean, what it's intended for. I'm not just kind of going through the motions, right? Which is easy to do. But that we're part of the fellowship, we're in, under the teaching of the Scriptures, we're observing the, the sacraments, and through that lifelong pattern, God builds our confidence like Luke wanted Theophilus to have. Let me pray for us. Lord, it's, it's fascinating for us to, to read in this text and just to imagine what it must have been like to be the two on the road or the, or the, the group in Jerusalem and to have You appear bodily in resurrected glory or in resurrected form, I guess pre-glory and to hear you teach from the Old Testament scriptures all that the, the prophets said must happen um, with regard to your death, your, your, cruci- your crucifixion, your burial and then raising being ra- raised from the dead um, and, and I just we read, that these guys said, did our hearts not burn when He was, when you were teaching them? And so that's our prayer. That's a prayer that we pray, Lord. I ask you that you would uh, keep us in the Scriptures and cause our hearts to burn as we see th- as we see truth about you and about us and about what you have for us, Lord. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen.